1: Yes, you are correct. And we have to also recognize that Black history can be celebrated anytime. It doesn't have to be February. So we are coming to our last week of events um, for Black History Month 2022. But um, we've got a lot of things going. Once we start opening up and getting back into the rhythm of things, we are going to be able to do some of those programming that we weren't able to do in February, so we're very excited for that.
2: Oh, okay, so fill us in on the last couple of events. I know February 28th will be a big day for you too. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. so uh, this week we have, so our two last events officially are um, our cooking class, which is a virtual cooking class that we have. We used to do it in person and we weren't able to do it for the last couple of years, but we are so excited to have Chef Rob Thomas join us this year for a a fantastic meal that he's going to prepare live for everyone to see. And then we have our young people who are going to be getting us involved in uh, a, a term that I wasn't really very familiar with. It's tokenism and they're going to be doing their youth debate and research challenge on Saturday. And that is their topic. This is a youth led event and they have worked really hard to produce a great show for us um, with their debate. And I encourage everybody to join and support them. And that's on Saturday. But you can get all that information on our website. It's bhmwinnipeg.com And you can sign up for both of those events there as well.
2: Okay, so you would mentioned a subject that you hadn't heard about before. You said tokenism. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, so fill us in on what you learned about this subject.
1: I'm still learning. (laughs) That's the great thing about working with young people. I am literally still learning every day something new and something exciting. So it's a practice of making making efforts to do and have people represented just by the way that they look or the way that their um, social status is or um, just a small number underrepresented groups in order to show appearance. So they have been helping me understand exactly what that means. And their topic is, um, is tokenism an acceptable form um, of representation? So they picked the topic and they decided their, their groups are going to go for or against that statement.
2: Wow. I mean, and it is so wonderful that you're having the young people have a voice and partaking, you know, taking part in all of this, too, as well. Right, Nadia?
1: It is. And they are like their future. And that sounds cheesy, but it's 100 percent true. They are basically taking up the torch. They're leading the way. They're very vocal about their wants and needs. And when we're talking about current situations in the world, they're very um they're very encouraging as to how positive we have to look forward to what's going to happen to us as a people and us as, as a nation so it's it's very exciting and it's great to see these young people being very active in their communities
2: oh and i guess too what has happened not only here where we live but around the world right In in light of what's happened in the last couple of years besides the pandemic and black lives <laughs> matters of course has really, uh, you know, made, made a big difference in an awareness for all of us. And so, Ali, I'm going to bring you into the conversation, too, as well. Uh, you, I saw you smile on, on the word tokenism. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think that's a good, uh, you know, topic for all of us to, to chime in. Yes, yeah, so let's hear about not only um, tokenism and how you feel about it, But also how it pertains too to your position with the city now.
0: For sure, I it's uh, yeah I didn't know about that Nadia, so that was that was that caught me there for sure. Um, When I did my bachelor's degree, I had a major in women's and gender studies, so it was a big. Theme that we kind of looked at, and a lot of it was kind of around more so gendered or sexuality. And um, I know for a big thing uh, lately, and this can kind of go into any workforce, but a lot of places with workforces have to have a quota that they reach, if you will. And uh, the quota is, you know, 75 percent. These are just numbers I'm throwing out here, but just we'll say 75 percent um, people of color, 75 percent um, people who identify as queer. And this is kind of in our workforce, right? And this is anywhere, it doesn't really need to just be. Um, a visual representation, but just so we can have it in our check boxes too. So it, it's definitely something that's really controversial um, in, in my eyes, and it's controversial, and, and it's a really neat spin that they're doing on it that I'm really excited to hear more about that, Nadia. But um, something that I know that the city has been working on, and, and that we've we've been really kind of wanting to focus on, is making sure that people are able to self-identify and do click those boxes and check boxes off, but doing so with dignity, doing so so that they're not doing it to to meet that quota at the workplace to be to be the. the Per person of colour that's at the front. And, you know, I've worked in a few areas in the not-for-profit world before coming into municipal politics, and I've seen it firsthand where we want to have a person of colour working the front desk, or we want to have, you know, a visibly uh, queer individual um, with their Pride stuff everywhere, working, working at the front door, or making something like that, just so it's we're showing that representation. And it can be very toxic. It's very, very toxic, and it's it's um, a mainstream toxic that that I've uh, really, really kind of tackled into these days. And so I'm really interested to hear more about how this works. But yeah, the, the tokenism is is definitely something that happens in all areas of workforce politics, not in in public administration too.
2: Oh, so let's continue on with this conversation. Rana, you've been y- nodding your head and going, uh-huh, uh-huh. So I'm sure you've got <laughs> some uh, comments on, on this too as well. Yeah, um,
3: you know, and again, Nadia, I'm, I, I really am looking forward to seeing the pros and the cons and how they actually debate some, some positive aspects. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, just personally, I do... I can see where an argument can be made where there would be uh, where, where someone may say, okay, well, it's an in, right? Like they would not have had this opportunity had it not be for blah, 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 blah. Um, but the issue with that argument um, is that it doesn't actually get to the root of the issue. And the root of the issue is are these systemic barriers that are presented in all of these organizations and institutions so someone would not have the equal opportunity for the same position had it not been for that checkbox. Um, And that's where the issue lies, for me personally. Um, And the second thing about tokenism, you know, I've been a token, um, very publicly I've been a token, um, and it is toxic, it's damaging, Uh, it's emotionally and really spiritually damaging to the person who's being put up uh, at this pedestal, um, on this pedestal to be the poster child of everything, for my instance, let's just use an example, for everything that is brown, for everything that is, you know, you know, a certain kind of Muslim. Like, there are things that they. it doesn't, you know, I think it, the best way to describe it is perhaps that it's not sincere. It's not a sincere action. Um, what it is, is, uh, you know, we have to, Looks apart as if we're being inclusive, and uh, so we're going to put together these um, very, very paper policies. Um, you know, in my opinion, the opposite of tokenism, or the, or the, the benefit of something that wouldn't be tokenism, is yes, having people of color, for instance, in these places of um, po- these positions for whatever they may be. Um, But when they get to those positions, are you actually hearing them? Are they sitting at those tables with a voice? Do they have uh, agency to actually speak their words and be heard? That's when it's, in my opinion, not tokenism anymore. That is a legitimate, I want to hear uh, your views and the lens through which you have lived this world. And I want to incorporate it in our company, in our politics, in our whatever else. So very long winded, but I kind of hope you guys get what I'm kind of saying um it's 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 a very topical it's a very important issue it's a very deep issue but it's quite topical because tokenism is a result of uh something much deeper that hasn't been resolved and it's those systemic barriers
2: okay so what would be the pros and i'm you know linda i i'm I'm, so yeah, Linda, because you, you're a business coach and you you're, you coach people, oh, a lot of women, you know, entrepreneurs, and you know, how do what does my staff look like? Who do I employ? And as a entrepreneur, it can be quite daunting, I
4: think, right, Linda? Yeah, yeah. And and um, yeah, this is a very important conversation and. Rana, I'll build on what you were saying as well, and uh, Nadia and Ali, is that really the, the example you were giving, Rana, about the table, you know, when you look at the systemic barriers, you have to ask who is inviting you to the table. It's not, it, we don't, we, we still in our minds accept that the status quo that there is white men at the table, and they're inviting in the token people to, you know, hear their points of view, create policy that's maybe more expansive, but we're still working within a system where where we're being invited in. We're not the decision makers. And that's, um, Ali, you know, you're in politics, you know, that's the, the key point is to get more people to be the decision makers, to have the power to be at the tops of the companies that are, you know, um, uh, I can't remember where I read this statistic, but you know, they're, they're, has been an increased effort to have a diverse workforce, but it's at the lower level. When you start to move up into management, it's still looking very white and very male. And that's where we're we're still looking at the barriers. So, yeah. So,
2: yeah, who wants to chime in on, 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 on just, Linda? May I? Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> just to
3: build off what Linda said, and, and you know, Nadia, you're in healthcare. Uh, perhaps, you know, if you you, you would most likely agree with this, perhaps um, the fact that if we just take COVID, for example, uh, a pandemic occurs, it, you know, it kind of it, it sweeps the entire world um, and there's numerous reports. There are numerous research studies done um, in uh, about the kind of intersectional disproportionate effects of COVID on healthcare workers, healthcare workers who are nurses and all of those amazing uh, people who are at the front lines, but also the janitorial staff, also the cleaners, also all of those other people who happen to be statistically, based on facts and figures and research. Um, from very, you know, marginalized groups, uh, and they were the ones who were kind of, you know, sitting there taking their brunt of, of a lot of that stuff. Other than the the doctors and the nurses and all those amazing people who we support um, unequivocally. So there's a lot of there's a lot of very important um, layers to these conversations, you know, uh, and it, it, we can't just kind of um, We can't just kind of, you know, we want to talk about it in this holistic way, right? And we think that we we, we do. We all want to just say, okay, well, this is the sweeping generalization. This is going to fix everything. Um, But that's not going to be the solution. Um, And I think it's going to take a lot of... Um, women of color, uh, allies of women, you know, like I know Linda is very vocal about a lot of issues when it comes to, you know, you've sat on many panels with us, especially with you Um, you know, but we need to look at things from an intersectional perspective, you know, uh, sometimes it's not just color. Sometimes it's color, gender, and sexuality. Sometimes it's like, there's a whole host of things. And uh, once we get to the actual crux of who is where and not be, um, you know, tippy around what the actual scenario we are living in is, uh, that will be the only point where we can start to move forward. And you can look at city council for a perfect example of what not to do in politics. How many people of color are on it, in our city council? In our city council? Two? Vivian? Two. Right? Three. That's it. To, to represent an entire city. To an entire city how does that how, how is that reflective of your city I can personally say I don't think anyone sitting at those tables you know truly would understand anything that I've ever lived anything that my family's ever gone through or our lived experiences or lived challenges um, it's impossible you don't live it you don't know it and when you make decisions you roam around yourselves <laughs> it's, just, it's just a bunch of old white guys making decisions with the old bunch
2: of white guys. I mean, come on. You know, it's a, a little bit of a problem. Just, so yeah, maybe to turn the table around just a little bit, I'm going to go back to Nadia. Um, kind of if you look at it in the black community, um, we had a former police chief, Devin Clunas, who I loved the man. Uh, we have Audrey Gordon, who is, you know, our cabinet minister. Uh, We've got Jamie Moses and Uzoma, who is amazing, both, you know, representing their wards. I know, there's not a lot. (laughs) I think I named off five people. But having said that, uh, they have brought a voice to the table. They have made people listen. Uh, We've been talking about this over and over again. I think, you know what, forget the glass ceiling. Uh, We just need action So, Nadia, maybe comment, though, on the plus side of, you know, especially what's happened for the Black community here.
1: Well, there's a couple of things that I would hope that we all take into consideration because this tokenism may be a new term, but the actual act of what's happening is not new. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there were companies that back in, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they were required to have a specific number of visible minorities at the time, that's what they were called, um, in order for them to function as an organization, as a business, um, as a corporation. So, you know, at that time, people were feeling racism and feeling discriminated because they were told, you know, you took the job from somebody else. So it's just a different way of looking at things now So it's not a new conversation, it's not a new argument, Um, but it's something that some people could definitely say, hey, I wouldn't have been in the position that I am in if it wasn't for this. Or they may say, you know, I got in maybe that way, but I had to work very hard at what I did, and I have to work extra hard because of who I am or how I got into that position. So, you know, I can see it from both standpoints and I'm gonna love the fact that our young people picked this argument and they're doing it from both sides so you get to see how they come together to um, focus on their both both of these arguments and for lack of a better um, lack of a better term we have a long way to go we we all know this we all we're gonna work hard to figure out how we can progress but it's not going to happen tomorrow. So even though we have those five or six or 10 people that you can, you know, count on both hands, um, we also have to take onus within ourselves and, and within our communities to say how many people are going for these positions and how many people are buying for them and not getting them, or are they just not there? So we can't have somebody representing ourselves if we are what we believe it's our themselves if they're not there to be to be picked. Um, I've had that conversation many times in many different realms and different, um, different reasons. So either it's like for a job or is it for a position or is it for a company? Um, we have to look at those things too. And I've been put in the position where sometimes I don't agree with somebody that looks like me. So should I just vote for them or you know, encourage them or accept them just because they look like me. To me personally, I I don't. I don't look at that and that is not my main factor. So there's all different reasons and different aspects and different avenues that you can look at certain things. And we just have to come together to figure out what works best for us as human beings.
2: Oh, very well put. And it kind of takes me now, it's a nice segue because we'll get everybody involved again. Uh, Nadia, Nadia, you also sit on another committee um, with Stuart Murray, and I've had Stuart Murray on the show too as well, and he's a big proponent for human rights. And human rights is a hot topic, I guess, so to speak, because everything connects back to human rights. And all of this, what we've been talking about, tokenism and, you know, racism and whatever, It goes back to the basics of what are our human rights and uh, I'll come back to Nadia because I I want you to to talk more about this other committee that you sit on and and the hopes and dreams of what we can be. But Ali, I'm going to come back to you now uh, with your involvement with the city and you do sit on a committee for human rights.
0: Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually the coordinator for the Human Rights Committee Council, so I'm very lucky. I get to work directly with Nadia, and she is actually the chair of one of our subcommittees, which is the Equity Diversity Subcommittee. So yeah, it's it's yeah. Human Rights is a, is a big buzzword right now, as I'm sure everybody <laughs> knows. Um, I think right now more than ever is a really critical point for people to learn what their basic human rights are. I think that because it's become such a buzzword, it's it's um, Uh, politicize it's it's almost used sometimes in a marketing gimmick too as well and i think that people kind of lose sight of what their actual basic human rights are and for me more than ever this year i've learned just that i sat down and i said well i need to be able to sit down and, and take a look at the fundamentals because i think we get all kind of pushed away from that a little bit too much especially within the pandemic for a little bit and the last couple years within the pandemic so i think um like Right now, people need to be having these discussions, a discussion that we just had as well, having the people at the top in the areas, Linda said it as well, people that are the decision makers. I've been having so many conversations lately um, surrounding how we can get, you know, people that we wanna see making these decisions. And it all comes down to having a really good understanding of what our basic human rights are. And I think that people don't, um, and I think you find a lot more confidence. I found a lot more confidence in myself as an individual, as an advocate, as somebody who can speak when I had a really good grasp of what basic human rights are. They're not some big kind of thing out in the sky that we can reach out and grasp for if we're in a hot situation or if we're in a sticky situation, but they are something that we, we can, we can put our path on. And they're something that we can, we can truly work with. We can work with each other's human rights. And then we can find areas of the gaps too, that we're missing and and how we can better our human rights, how we can highlight that in rich areas that, that really have, Really highlight our human rights, like the Human Rights Committee of Council, right? So the conversation around human rights is big, but I kind of want to see it on a smaller scale and having those really um, those tight knit com- those community conversations about human rights.
2: Okay, so this might be a dumb question. So what are our basic human rights, or is that just a long, long question of
0: <laughs> Allie? You know <laughs> <What>? <laughs> the way that the way that I answer it is. Yeah. I look at human race and, and when people ask me a question like that, it's a definitely a long answer. We're not going to get it tonight, but I'll tell you that. But The way that I look at it is what is our fundamental way of living? What do we need in order to, to live? So we need water. We need clean water we need access to food we need you know it kind of comes down to the basics of respect and putting everybody on an equal playing field and that's the way that i look at human rights always have always will and so if we're able to kind of get that in the beginning that first step of just basic human equality for everybody then we can start having the larger conversations about may who's not getting the rights or how do we get the rights to other people but i think just having that core competency of what we understand is a basic human fundamental need is essentially a human right, and especially here in Canada, right? So that's mm-hmm. the kind of way that I look at it, and, and encourage others to look at it as well.
2: Okay, so Rana, this is a—is it political? Is it systemic that we cannot even agree on or have basic human rights for all? Oh, that's
3: a loaded question.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so, yeah,
3: I think it is political. I think it's been political in all of Canadian history that, um, you know, rules for one group, basic human rights, dignity, respect for, for one group of people doesn't actually apply to a whole different group of people. Because if it did, uh, you wouldn't have, you know, people up north, any indigenous community in this country that would be... Fighting for clean water, uh, fighting to keep their children, fighting to uh, have you know affordable food up north, fighting for basic health care, um, The list goes on and, on and on. So, you know, when you're talking to me and just from a legal perspective about human rights, um, it's hard to not just based in law. If we were just going to apply basic basic rule of law, rule of law uh for what all Canadians are supposed to have for human rights we 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 failed we've already failed at that mm-hmm. um you know as as a country we, we, we it's just not there so that's the one aspect of it but i just want but that's a much larger conversation for mm-hmm. a you know and probably one of the ones that people should think about um, when we're talking about human rights, first and foremost, do human rights apply to everyone or, or is it just a right when yours is being taken away? And I'll use vaccinated versus unvaccinated as an example right now, you know. So, you know, like if you kind of start to strip away at those conversations, um, you know, what what's the actual right? And, you know, there's some stuff I agree with, some stuff I don't agree with. Uh, I, I will never agree with any kind of division, but the question we should all be asking is: What exactly is the right? What's the right that was owed to you that you have not received, or like th- just as a basic, basic? And I think if you ask someone that, and if they can answer that question, um, and not and not just you know sovereignty over body, and that's a good that's a good answer, but there's more to it where you know there there's more to that answer you can't that, that's not it that can't just all be it so that's one part of it but I think we want to just touch on upon what Ali said um, you know she's right these, these conversations need to be happening at uh, small on basically at a grassroots level. Um, and I, I really don't like the term grassroots, but we'll use it for the purpose of this conversation. Uh, at a grassroots level, people really trying to understand and starting to understand. And you know that that's in employment, that's in healthcare, that's in every aspect of what you do. Uh, are you being treated with dignity and respect? You know, and if not. Um, what are your options? And you know, Canada does have a Human Rights Act. You know, the province has a Human Rights Act. There are places where you can go uh, that have very enumerated uh, lists of things about what is, you know, a violation, what's discrimination, uh, what would be something that is that appears to contravene your human right. So if you if you could, if people could just even know at the very basic. You know that we have legislation we have laws we have these acts in place a quick perusal of it would give you a lot of ideas of what you what what you have what options you have available to you um and i'll leave it at that there's a lot of people right now in 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 the employment law field right and you know i practice employment law not predominantly but it's, it's quite a part of my practice right now Uh, and you know it's a big question that's being asked right now you know and a lot to do with vaccination a lot to do with people um, you know not being vaccinated being terminated being put on suspension being put on leave. like there's a whole host of conversations that are happening around that Um, and post-COVID post-COVID like the next few months and years as to come um, we're going to probably see some really necessary review of what we have defined as human rights And I will leave it at that. That was a lot of (laughs) words.
2: (laughs) Well, and it does make me want to go and research that and know even what my basic human rights are. Uh, Linda. Okay. My, my question was kind of, so sometimes do we use human rights as a crux to hide behind? I'm not too sure, but now um, how do we even explain it to our, to our kids? And, and, and for that generation, right? Human rights is so important. Human rights are at the forefront for our young kids growing up. Right, Linda?
4: Absolutely, and you know, it makes me, um, when I was listening to everyone speaking about human rights, it really brings home what we were talking about earlier about the decision makers. Because I'm a coach and I work with business owners and mostly women, and I spend a lot of time building confidence, um, a lot of time helping people step into a bigger life, um, make bolder decisions, um, choose paths that are risky, challenging, um, really put themselves out there, allow themselves to... um, live in the face of judgment and criticism and still be okay, still you know, be thriving in the face of that. And so this conversation about human rights and representation makes me think, and we had this conversation last year about the need to have more people, as Nadi was saying, uh, going up for office, t- taking on the challenge of running taking on the challenge of, of pushing for um, being, you know, Rana in the, in the legal field, being a judge, being, uh, you know, people who are up there. And I know from talking to, you know, different politicians and uh, different women in power, their reluctance to take on those roles because of the fear of the backlash, fear of the uh, very, and it's not just a made up fear, it's a very real fear, as you know, um, of what is gonna potentially come your way when you put yourself out there. And so that's just what I was thinking about when we are talking about human rights. We need people obviously to be uh, champions for human rights, for fighting for justice, um, and we need, Uh, to answer your question, uh, to have the youth going into the legal profession, going into business, having their eye on the, you know, the big game so that they um, they can choose those fields. Even though it's hard, they can choose those fields. And I have two daughters and I'm, you know, I'm always encouraging them to take chances, you know, get uncomfortable, um, and that's what I do, work with my clients, too. You know, it's not just about trying to be comfortable. It's, you know, it's it's putting yourself and leaning into that discomfort oh, to play wow. a bigger game.
2: Yes. Being comfortable, being uncomfortable, I guess, is that mm-hmm. saying. So, Nadia, uh, let's just in closing talk about, I guess, the future and the hope. And this brings me to the City of Human Rights uh, for education, I believe that's it, CORE, I may have had that a little bit wrong, but Stuart Murray is spearheading that and you also sit on that committee too as well. And I guess the biggest the biggest goal is to create Winnipeg to become the Geneva of human rights and education. And that would be nice. It really, it really would. <laughs> um, I think the
1: the ladies here all have said and and everything that they've made points to the same conclusion is that we want us to be uh, a staple in change. So we want to make it somewhere where it has to start somewhere Mm -hmm. and by having conversations and by talking about the issues and the problems um, we, we bring them to the surface, but then we have to kind of dissect it and come up with solutions. So that's why we have, you know, your show, and we have conversations and divisions and all of these committees, and we're just we're talking a lot more. So if anything, this the big C has brought on uh, an open forum for people to talk, and and we have more time, and more opportunities, and more people to have these conversations with. So those are positives, um, but I, when I think of human rights. The biggest thing that i think of is safety you know the right to be able to be who you are to speak and to live and to to walk down the street and and not feel in any sort of way afraid or you know marginalized or singled out or your safety is number one thing because we all need to live together so um like everybody else said, I encourage people to look up, up the, the Human Rights Act so that you know. Um, if you're not a big reader, the, go to the museum. It's right there on the board. <laughs> it's, it's pretty pretty big, you can't miss it. So, um, and and just have those conversations. It's, it's super important, um, but we, we have to start somewhere and we have some brilliant minds in this city and some brilliant minds that are at tables and to do take those chances and, and do feel like, you know what, even though I might get knocked down, I might not get what I want, or I might not feel like I'm heard, you still say it. You know, One of our themes this year is look, listen, share and act. And that's a call to, to action to say, hey, you know what, we can sit back and complain all we want, but that's not gonna change anything. So we need to do something in order for us to change. And the more that we do, the more changes that come about.
2: Oh, so beautiful. Uh, Nadia, quickly, where can people go so uh, maybe they can listen or uh, see the debate on tokenism and the other event for Black History Month?
1: So if you go, all the information for Black History Month is on our website, bhmwinnipeg.com. We also have our Facebook group, Black History Month, Winnipeg. And we have a YouTube channel, Black History um, Manitoba. So those um, again, it's on Saturday, you can sign up through zoom, and we'll have the registration there. And it's just, it's this debate is one of those It's for um, an educational purpose. There's no winners or losers. We just (laughs) want to give a platform for these young people to to voice what they want to know what they want to talk about and it's it's up to us
2: to listen to what they're saying oh beautiful well thank you so so much nadia uh let's keep the conversation open i think there's way more to be discussed on you know on this topic of human rights ali quickly too if people want to connect with your committee how can they reach out
0: fantastic question they can just email me directly or they can go on the city winnipeg type in human rights committee of council it'll direct you to either myself or a city clerk um but my my email address is pretty simple and i'll send it on over it's just a reposo at winnipeg.ca if there's ever anything that you want support on or even a presentation that you want um some city folks to come out to or let us all know like please do let us know there's room for presentations and delegations and i'm i'm always encouraging folks to do so so please reach out um if there's something that you want to watch all of our meetings are live um streamed on the on the city website so check those out too and get yourself in the know and see what's kind of happening in our city
2: oh well thank you too ali and once again linda thank you so much and Rana, always a pleasure and you know what i i think yeah let's keep this going and maybe it's a good question for all of you out there maybe check up and review what your basic human rights are and educate others too as well so thank you so much for joining us on the hue living room and we'll be back in a couple of weeks
4: what happens when we play outside we become healthier both mentally and physically we become more creative and more focused we connect with nature each other and ourselves let's take this outside a new podcast hosted by me Ann Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover